This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McCray. Depending on where you live or farm, there may be a debate on whether you should use fungicide, just use it when you see disease pressure, or apply it every season, no matter the weather. Something interesting happened this year on a farm in north-central Iowa, and the results of one farmer's test wound up all over the internet. I'll share what we learned. That's our topic for this week's Farm in the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. As farmers, we face many challenges regarding nitrogen needs. You wonder when to apply your nitrogen or what the weather will do and how much of that nitrogen you can depend upon. Well, for the last four seasons, I've been using Pivot BioProven 40, and I will again next year. One of the reasons is because that predictability is available right on the corn seed. Pivot BioProven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plant. It's the first on seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the game changing technology. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. Travis McCormick says he's not great with social media. But that didn't stop him from having one of the most viewed Facebook farming posts this fall. That's when I first learned of his story. As he'll share in a moment, Travis decided to spray fungicide on strips of corn in a 160-acre field this year. What surprised him was how quickly the differences in the treated and untreated portions of the field began to appear on aerial mapping tools. What was perhaps most surprising was that a simple walk in the field didn't seem to show a difference in how the plants looked, at least for quite a while. But according to the pictures he was receiving each week, there was definitely a large positive response in the treated portions of that field. And at harvest time, what a difference it was, with yields sometimes varying by 30 bushels or more between the treated and untreated portions. The aerial photos of that farm got quite a bit of attention on Facebook. Travis is from Latimer, Iowa, and is a sales rep with Pioneer, and he also farms with his family in the area. Here's our conversation. So, Travis, I heard about uh, you and what you're doing via Facebook. I don't know when you created that post if you knew how much traction it would get, but you did a field trial about fungicide. And I'm just going to let you take it from there because I found it very fascinating. Just talk about what led you to do this and, and some of the things that uh, you found out. Yeah, Andrew, it, you know, it was kind of, being completely honest with you, I was playing around with my job here in the winter, you know, and and looking at a few things, uh, I, I learned that this was possible. You know, we, we could actually do something like this. That I didn't have any idea that they was going to, you know, get the traction or they, it wasn't designed for that. Um, there was more, we had, we had a customer here on the fence of, of spraying fungicide, you know, and every year I tell them, you guys need to be, you know, looking at this. It, it doesn't have fit for everybody, but it could be beneficial to your operation. Well, does it every year? Does it pay? Does it pay? Does it pay? Does it pay? And uh, they had agreed uh, back in January. They, you know, they were going to let us spray 200 acres with fungicide, and, and we needed to leave some check strips, you know, and stuff. And I learned that I could do this on the on my operation center, and so that's where that's where this all started, you know. And uh, 
Um, as things went on, we were very dry this summer. Um, and they, they backed out on their fun side. They had other, you know, some hail and stuff and uh, they had reasons for that. And I decided to continue on with this on, on one of our own farms, you know, this, it was, you know, and it, it was exciting to me. So I, I drew up the prescription. I sent it to the, uh, the Hagee and, uh, we ran with it. Um, but it was kind of interesting. So I, I got a buddy that works for us in Jenna. Uh, once we got the trial sprayed, you know, I, I had mentioned to him that we got a trial on this farm with some rabies meal and, uh, you know, keep an eye on it. 10 days after the application, he sends me a picture, uh, an NDVI photo, a crop health photo of this farm. And he goes, that, that is awesome. And he said that, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun with that. Uh, and it, that's what I kind of involved and I started, you know, probably more realizing what we did, you know, kind of unintentionally. Right. Right. Um, well, let me ask you something. You, uh, when you did this, so your original plan was to do it for the neighbor, but the neighbor backed out. So you did it on your own corn. Is that right? Did it on our own farm. Yes. Yeah. So when you did that, then you mentioned that you had a prescription. So describe to people then, were you just spraying strips with fungicide with the ground rig? Is that what you were doing? Yeah. So, you know, so in the past, your, you know, your typical trial or, you know, leaving a tech strip, we, you know, you leave 120 foot, uh, you know, just going across the field and, and guys would combine, you know, eight, 10 or eight, 12 rows, whatever size head they have, you know, on, on each side of it. And, and that's how we were comparing, you know, does it pay basically um you know and some years are better than other uh i wanted to have something put out there you know that, that we could show up on the yield map and you know my goal was to, to have that on the yield map you know be in the red colors does it pay sure well uh, when you you mentioned that after 10 days the syngenta rep is looking at this so since people can't see it although we can direct them to it what was right. it what was showing up after 10 days then I mean, I mean it, it was amazing to me that, you know, that you could pick that out, right? You know, we've, we've saw the NDVI photos, you know, and, and stuff in the past. Um, that still doesn't correlate to yield, you know, so we're still a little skeptical at, at that point, 10 days after application, but it shows up. Uh, walking this field, scouting it, Andrew, there was no disease pressure in this field. It, I mean, it was very uh, clean. It was a low disease pressure gear here coming into what we expected to have heavy tar spot, you know, tar spot came in last year. Um, and, and that was kind of, you know, the big talking point, there was no disease in this field. So you'll hear these fungicide companies, you know, talk about, uh, respiration and, and plant health, you know, it's more than just disease. Uh, I probably have to agree with them a little bit more today than what, you know, what I did before that. Uh, looking at our results. Well, when you walked that field in, you said there was no disease, and that's even after the spraying. The, the part that was untreated, you still did not see disease, but you're obviously seeing benefits of the fungicide. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, no, the, the untreated part still, you know, wasn't what we would consider to be any disease pressure, I guess. Yeah, so let's skip forward then to harvest. What ended up happening at harvest then? Yeah, what harvest... We were all kind of excited about it, you know, um, come to combine it. But the hard part about this prescription, and, and I've learned a few ways now, you know, when you're combining it, when you have a strip, you know, you, you kind of got that marked out and you know where it is. This, 
you know, you're not 100% sure going through the field where you're at, you know. We thought we thought maybe we could tell it was drier. The, you know, the untreated point seemed a little bit drier. Um, I had say the stocks maybe weren't there quite as bad, but it, it wasn't a huge, you know, a huge difference. And so we have a giant deer combine. Looking at the yield map when we got all done, it was kind of, you know, it showed up a little bit. There was parts of it that did and, and parts that didn't. It wasn't a red pit, you know, that, that doesn't pay. It didn't show up red like like I was exactly hoping to. Um, you bring that into the, you know, into the office and he gets a look at that on the computer um, so you can a- adjust the legend down. So, I mean, you're not changing any yields, you know, you're just messing with the legend. Um, if I got that into 10 bushel of increments, then we can start to see it. You know, it, it's not it's not a clear picture like the crop health photo was, but, but you you know, anybody that's looked at a yield map, you, you, you can understand it. You get that idea. Yeah. <laughs> And so then we go into, uh, you know, you overlay the application map so you can see where that's at, draw out, uh, you know, square boxes. And then down in the details, it'll tell you when you draw out this box, it says what the treated did, you know, versus the untreated. And that's when things kind of, you know, it was kind of surprising to me. I, I'm a believer in it. Do we normally typically see those kind of results? No. Um, but Adrian, it opens up a new, a new concept to me, you know. But it is interesting, uh, and it, it clearly did pay. In that. Sure, sure. So, what do you know exactly then? What the bushel difference was between the treated and the untreated at the end? Yeah. So, so what I did, so what you would have saw on Facebook was I, I drew out, you know, six blocks all the way in, in all different spots, good spots, bad spots. I mean, you know, I, I tried to eliminate any questions that way um then those those differences go from 40 to to 30. now if i take it another step and look at the whole field treated versus untreated it's 25 bushel so 25 bushel difference between the treated and the untreated yep and so it's 160 acre field the untreated part was 25 acres right right so do you think that you saw the big difference this year in part because of drought? I know as farmers, we sometimes say, well, fungicide pays most of the time. But I'm wondering if you're not going to say it pays all of the time. And of course, who could ever guess when when it is and when it isn't? But I'm just interested if you think the weather conditions this year made it even more pronounced. I, I do, Andrew. I mean, it, you know, we take huge pride in, in making the right recommendations to our customers, you know. Um and with this summer, when we sprayed it, it was a tough, tough decision. You know, it looked like we had a good crop. We hadn't had rain in a long time. Um, and so it, as it, as the summer went on with the weather, this almost got to be kind of more important to me, you know, and, uh, with that, is it going to pay or not? We were wondering it, you know, on our, on our own operation. Um, cause we, you know, we didn't know. What, what we had at the time of application. Um, from here on going forward, yeah, Andrew, I, I think, you know, in, in these drier conditions, that it, it's doing more than just holding off disease. Right. Well, and many times we get into those tough crop years, and that's when we begin to pull back, but perhaps that's when we need to go ahead and spend some, at least in this case, it looks like. This was kind of an eye-opener, Andrew. I, I do, yeah. I, 
I think we can't give up on it too early. Sure. I know that, of course, this depends on what price we can get for corn, but do you have a rule of thumb of how many bushels per acre you think you need to pick up to, to make it worthwhile and offset the cost usually? Uh, well, seven and a half bushel offsets the cost. You know, that, that, that's a break even in, in this case. Now, um, so, so anything over that, yeah, you know, is, is beneficial. We opened up by talking about what was on Facebook. Then I'm curious, what kind of response did you get? Because I saw this flying around everywhere and lots of comments and things. So give people an idea of how many people started commenting and what you heard and, and so forth, because I don't know that part of the story. Yeah. So, so I did not put it on Facebook myself, Andrew. Um, you know, when we got all done and kind of going through the trials on a on a slow day of harvest, um, I had sent it to our uh, pioneer agronomist, you know, and and his response back is, "Can I forward that on, you know, to, to some other people?" Uh, I got a I got an email from a, a pioneer agronomist in in uh, Northeast Iowa. He wanted to know if he could put it on on Facebook, and he he has a pretty big following on Facebook. You know, I've got a I'm on social media, you know, a little bit, but not, I don't post a lot, you know what I mean? And, and so this guy, yeah, he said, yeah, go ahead. Not really knowing, still at this point that, you know, it was going to take off probably quite to the extent that it did. <laughs> so I'd follow in the back, you know, I'd watch this post and, and see where it was going. And, and I'd get calls, you know, from customers and stuff, seeing it. And, and that part was kind of fun. It was, it was a good talking point. Uh, right. but it, yeah, it, it, it's, it made it some places. <laughs> well, this is obviously not the first time that fungicide has been in a, in a field trial. So what was it about this that you think resonated with people and made them so fascinated about it? I think that, you know, that does it pay. Um, and then the fact that, you know, 10 days after application and, and about once a week until August, this guy would send me a new photo, you know, and, and it still paid it. It started fizzling out probably, well, it would have been the, the end of August, you know, to where you, you couldn't see it anymore. Yeah, but those those maps were showing that that crop was healthier, I guess, to put it in a broad term than the, the rest yeah. of the crop. Right. Yeah, so as as we got to the end of August, you know, and I, I don't remember the specific dates, but say the last two weeks in August, um, you could walk in into the field, the pay part of it, there's a driveway, you know, fairly close to that. So I could get to that without having to spend the whole day walking. Um, you could see it in the plant health still. With no disease pressure, the the untreated was giving up sooner. I mean, it, it was, you, as you're walking through the field, you know, and, and we were getting, oh, let's see, we started harvest, I think the 15th of September, you know, so, so stuff had kind of, you know, started to die off on its own. As you're walking through this, I'm looking on my phone, you know, on the dry deer, watching where I'm at. Uh, there'd almost be no green in the, well, there would be no green from the ear down in the untreated plants. And then all of a sudden that's like you walk into a, you know, a jungle, like it was mid July, I'd walk into the field. It, it was pretty incredible. I, I guess I was impressed myself. On our farm, we, you know, we know what the fungicide does, we, you know, we know it works. We know that's what we're going to do. For the guys, you know, they were requested. I wanted to be able to, quite honestly, I wanted to be able to have a couple of pictures hung up in my office and, you know, <laughs> you know, this year it did. Next year, hard to say, but. Well, yeah, we hope that we don't have a drought every year, but I'm guessing you're going to tell me that you think it's worth it every single year because 
usually the benefits are going to be there. And secondly, you can't outguess Mother Nature, I suppose. You're exactly right, Andrew. We we can't give up on this crap. Um, sometimes I think we give up, maybe give up on it a little bit too early. Right, right. You know, you mentioned something earlier when you did this trial. You said that you used the ground rig. Is that normally how you and others in your area do that? Because so many of us will have helicopter or plane, and there's lots out there on, you know, which is most effective. I'm just interested, is that how you've normally done it all the time? Yes, Andrew. For us, that's how we've normally done it. Um, up until two years ago, we had a, a custom application business. Um, so we were running around with the Aggie, you know, applying fungicide. And so that's how we've always done it. There is still a fair amount of uh, of airplane and helicopter work in the area. We've had, oh, in the last 10 years, there's been quite a bit of windmills put up around us. And, you know, that that's kind of maybe dried up some of the airplane work, I think. Right. Um, and, and as more farmers are getting to it, you know, there's a lot more heavies today running around than what there was five years ago, I guess. You know, guys are getting their own way to do it themselves. You know, as we look to next season, obviously the, the fungicide was the big thing that you were looking at there, but you had mentioned to me that rootworm was another thing that's really on people's mind. Talk about what you've been seeing and then what you're thinking about going into next season. Yeah, so so rootworm is, you know, they call it, around here they call it the million dollar pest, and, and it is probably more than a million dollar pest, you know. it It's learning to adapt with us as, yeah. You know, down down south where you're at, I don't know if you guys run into extended diapause or not. So extended diapause, they're surviving in the soil for basically two years, you know, so they're skipping the bean year and then coming out again in the corn. And it, that is getting to be huge around here, you know, as we go forward. So another part kind of ties in with the fungicide. Um, in, a, in another trial that I got on a customer's farm, I don't have the data back on it yet, but I... I know what we saw during harvest, um, and it was actually a, a strip that we had left a year ago on this farm. Spray fungicide, it was a tech strip. What we kind of missed was with our fungicide, you know, we're spraying a, a generic pyrethroid insecticide, you know, to, to kill rootworm beetles. This year, this fall, or, you know, another year later, we could pick out that 120-foot strip with severe rootworm damage. <laughs> and so so that's a hot topic as as you know we go into 2024 i guess as we're just entering the sales season um is rootworm and the guys that had that issue with it you know last year they're i want to say you know prepared the, the best thing a guy can do is is you know throw in a crop of beans but these rootworm are they're figuring out ways around that year well, what, what have you been doing or what's been effective? I know you're in an area where you have a lot of corn on corn, but what's working for guys to be able to control the rootworm? Yeah, so so we are big on uh, putting a granular insecticide on with the planer. So I, I know on our own operation, we've been running Aztec um, oil force, <clears throat> and then we're doing that on top of traded corn as well. You know, in the time we have left, as I'm sure you're having lots of conversations with folks about next year and seed selection, probably a lot of it's already been purchased. Any things that you're talking with them more about this year or any things that are on their mind as they're thinking about the seed to select? Because you all have gone through two or three years of drought now, so I don't know if that changes conversations or not. Uh, it does, Andrew. 
drought score is a hot topic is say five years ago we weren't worried about the drought score we, you know it was how we get rid of the water <laughs> uh so so drought score you know is huge um probably another thing that changed maybe i, I shouldn't say that it changed we don't hear as much about it as we did a year ago um you know as a tar spot two years ago tar spot was here you know that that was on top of everybody's mind and um what the ratings are on tar spot I, and i'm not saying that it's not today it just we didn't see it this year you know it's it's not quite as big of a deal but uh yeah all in all are the people in your area feeling all right about this season even though you had drought you didn't have the yields that maybe you wanted the price is not where it has been has that impacted anything like rental rates or what people are doing for next year is it going to be we continue on like we normally have. You know, from the guys that I talked to, I, we're probably, we're going to have another year continuing on like we, you know, like we normally had. Yeah. The prices aren't quite what we wanted. Um, the yields weren't, you know, maybe quite as high, but we still had fairly good crops around here. And I would say, and most people would agree with me that, that, you know, this isn't a, you know, it wasn't a, a bad year. It wasn't a failure, I guess. Because the crop had been a little bit less this year, prices down, are you hearing anything about rental rates for those that are renting out there? Or maybe they're locked in long-term, and so those aren't going to vary. But has that diminished any rental rates or any land that's selling in your area? Uh, you know, the the land, land sales, they maybe dropped off a little bit. Um, but as I say it, then you can think of another farm that just sold, and, you know, it, it didn't really. But I, I would say that was kind of extreme. But I would say land values maybe drop down just a little bit, and, and that probably has more to do with the interest rates, you know, than than anything else. Um, you know, and you, you talk about land rents with these guys. I'm gonna say, you know, there's not a lot of long term leases, but I'm gonna say they they're probably from the guys that I deal with and talk to. You know, they're they're saying the same as they were a year ago. And land prices, if something sells in your area, what would that land be worth there? Um, you know, as a high, we had one sell this, this fall. So being on the high side, it was $16,000 an acre. Um, probably the low, more closer to average, you know, that 12 to 13. Right. Well, higher than what we had seen a few years ago, but, uh, as you mentioned, maybe it's plateaued or maybe backed off just a hair where you're at. Is that right? That's what it seems like, Andrew. I, I hope in five years from now you can, you know, lead me in the right direction as far as that goes. But, uh, yeah, it, it seems like it maybe dropped off, you know, a, a year or two years ago. Of course, we made a lot of money, but, you know, there were 16 was fairly common. And, and, and today it's, you know, it's maybe close to that 12 to 13. I appreciate the time. And uh, I guess we'll look forward to next year's trial and the Facebook post that, uh, gets out there now now folks know to look at what you're doing right i think i would have to keep it going andrew <laughs> well good well i sure enjoyed being able to look at the trial and i appreciate you sharing it with folks yeah you bet anytime i'm glad to meet you and and uh, be on your podcast and your radio show if you didn't happen to see the results in that facebook post i'm posting a link with that data along with this story Just go to Farming the Countryside on Facebook and you'll find a link to that original Facebook post along with this story. I think many of us have seen field trials using fungicide, of course, but what made this one stand out 
where the stark differences between treated and untreated portions of the field and the aerial maps really got people's attention. On a personal note, I'll share that we've been using fungicide on almost every acre of our corn and soybeans for the past several years. While there may be some years that I don't see a huge yield increase, overall, it seems to be a good decision. And after seeing Travis's aerial photos, I'd love to do something similar on our own farm to be able to visually see through the growing season the difference those applications might be making. Remember, you can follow Farm in the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farm in the Countryside or American Countryside. And you can hear these shows in a variety of ways. If you're listening on the radio and happen to miss one of our shows, just go to FarmingTheCountryside.com where you can go back and look at past programs and topics of interest. And if you're listening on the podcast, of course, just go to your podcast platform and scroll back to catch other shows and topics of interest as well. I always try to have a variety of guests and hope that you'll suggest guests as well and topics of interest. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farm in the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com.